Welcome to Food Chat, a weekly show that's all about food production, including farming, ranching, processing, and basically all things involved in getting food from the field to your plate. Now, let's get you reconnected to your food, and here are your hosts, Greg Bloom and Chef Jackson Lamb. Talk about an uphill battle, 2,000 acres of beans and cattle, but he don't ever get rattled, he just goes to the sun goes down. This is Greg Bloom, and welcome to another episode of Food Chat. Food Chat is all about reconnecting you to your food, and we have a great guest on today to talk to us about preserves and jams and jellies and an area that I don't really know that much about. Before I introduced Maura, I want to talk to you about past episodes of Food Chat. If you've missed any of the great shows we've had on, we do a weekly show that's aired on the radio here at 560 AM. It's aired Wednesdays at 12.30 a.m., and then it's also a podcast. You can find it on Spotify or Apple or Google or any podcast app, really. But you can also find it at foodchat.us, and you can click on the links there. Uh, But hey, let me introduce my guest today, uh, Maura. uh, This is uh, Food Chat Radio, and I've never had the opportunity to have you on before, so I'm so excited that you're here. Maura Graham. Gramzinski from redcamper.com, but your your line of jams is called Deliciousness. Am I right, Maura? Ah, yes. It is called Deliciousness, and there's a story about that, but I'm sure we'll get to it. But I am so glad to be part of the show. Thank you very much for having me on. Great. Thanks, Maura. Thank you so much. I'm glad you're here. And so tell us just a little bit about your background and how did you get into making preserves? Yeah, um, it was kind of just uh, dumb luck, I suppose. Um, I, I've i had Red Camper, the company, for much, much longer than, than um, the lifespan of the food line that I make. Um, so the, I'll, try to, I'll try not to drag this out too long. But the background of Red Camper and myself is that I started the company after inheriting a bunch of 35-millimeter slides from my grandparents who were travelers. And I have a degree in fine art photography, um, passionate interest in art, and I had just gotten back from South Africa and developed a handbag made out of these slides. Um, That became my first product. I quit my advertising job to launch Red Camper. And little by little, the line evolved from that to a laptop bag and then into this jam line, which um, came about from in my backyard that was loaded with peaches and the squirrels were wasting all the peaches so I wanted to beat them to it and I started experimenting with making jam and ended up here yeah so your 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 uh, company name red camper came out of your love for camping or you went camping as a as a child do I have it right sort of yeah um, like I said that the, the idea of the, of the brand was launched around family and travel And it didn't take me too long to figure out the name, and that was Red Camper, and that was because I grew up in a little tiny Red Camper that was in the back of a pickup truck that my parents hauled me around the U.S. and Central America as a child. Neat. Okay, good explanation. Well, I can see 
the the fine art photographer in you when I looked at your website, and I'm even looking at it now, so I can see you have a, a very nice eye for fine quality photos and stuff. But let's talk about the products that you make and and the process of making jams and jellies. And I have a story I'll share later of how I failed trying to make uh, simple strawberry jam uh, that just didn't turn out right. But how how did you, how did you get started in making preserves and and then maybe. I know I already asked you that, but you could expand on that and then and then tell us about a little bit about the process of making jams and jellies. Yeah. So like I mentioned, I had that tree in the yard and I started experimenting and um, I made a jam and it didn't set quite right. Um, as you know, that it's kind of a challenge mm-hmm. to, to get the proper set. And um, that is why I called it deliciousness. And then I realized after eating it for a little while that I preferred that saucier um, version of a jam. And so that is where the name Deliciousness came and, and stuck with. But I will say that over the years, you know, I've learned a lot about making jam. I make it professionally now, so I better know a little bit more about it. So basically, you start with fruit. You add sugar. You add pectin. You add your citrus, which is a, which helps that that pectin engage, do its chemical job correctly, um, and then you cook it. So I don't know how detailed you want me to get into all that, but there's so many different variety of factors that can can make or break your jam, and to some degree you have to uh, really experiment and write down everything that you're doing. Well, I'm a more of a barbecue grill guy, uh, Mara, but I did try to make some strawberry jam, um, and it just didn't set up right. And I followed a recipe that I found, but I'd been given a bunch of free strawberries, and I wanted to preserve them because I couldn't eat them all. Um, you know, let's talk about, um, is there a difference between the words that we use to talk about, you know, preserves as preserves, preservatives, jams and jellies? Are all those the same thing? They're all different. They're all different. Okay. Well, maybe you should help me understand those terms. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, preserves versus preservative. Um, Preserves are a a food item that is made by preserving your fruit with sugar. Um, Preservatives kind of have a negative connotation for us that are dedicated to creating natural products, um, and those can be chemically derived. Right. That's not anything that we're dealing with. Um, so we make preserves that are preserved fruits without preservatives. <laughs> Good explanation. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a difference between jelly versus jam versus preservatives versus compote versus marmalade. They're all different, and it just depends on um, what your ingredients are. Uh, do you want me to go through those? Yeah, if you don't mind, just briefly, that would be interesting because I think that um, most people don't understand this, so it would be great. Yeah, no problem. So uh, a jelly is just made with fruit juice. So there's no pulp. There's no squished up strawberries. It's just juice. Um, and that's why it's clear and kind of gelatin, gelatin jelly, shaking jelly, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got it. Um, 
that's a jelly. A jam is where is more like a strawberry jam that that you referred to before, and that's where the fruit kind of is the body of of what you're eating, of what that food is. And then the difference between a jam and a preserve is that a preserve will have pieces of fruit suspended in a, a liquid. So most of what we make is our preserves. Um, so we have pieces of fruit that are suspended within, not, not a clear jelly, but there's definitive pieces in it. Okay. I didn't know that. And That's good to know. Okay. Yeah, and then a marmalade has rind. So it's a citrus-based preserve. preserve. So it could be could be a lemon a lemon marmalade or an orange marmalade, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Strawberries in a strawberry jelly, but a jam could have the the fruit seeds, the, the strawberry seeds in it. Am I right? Yep. But a preserve is going to have like chunks of fruit suspended in it. Yeah. So so that's probably why you know is this why like preserves taste better and cost more is because of that? Is that why? Oh, I very much could be, yeah, because you're actually using fruit in there instead of just sugar. So way, yeah. way back, you know, hundreds, thousands of years ago, they must have figured out how to do this because, you know, they had a crop of whatever, you know, at the end of the year, and they had to preserve it because otherwise it's going to go bad and they couldn't eat it all at once. So this was a way of, of eating food throughout the winter. And so just, do you think that's how this, this art and this science was developed over time? Oh, 100%. 100%. And that is why, too, it, um you know, obviously, as we grow as a population and in our size, everybody wants to cut back on sugar. And um, there are ways of making a, a low sugar preserve, but it's not going to last as long because literally sugar is what keeps that jam edible for a very, very long time. Mm. Good to know. Good to know. So if you get a low sugar or no sugar jam, it might not last as long. Are you talking about the shelf life or uh, and the flavor? Is that right? Right. It'll either not last as long, maybe only four or five days after you open it. Or if it does last longer, it may have some chemical preservative in it. Yeah, well, the way I feel about that is, you know, there's a time to eat sugar and there's a time to be careful of hidden sugar in food. And I think when you're eating jam or preserves or marmalades, you, you know that there's natural fruit sugar in there and there may be some added sugar uh, in there. But that that's a time where you're spreading it pretty thin on some bread or something. You're enjoying it somehow. But but there's a lot of hidden sugar in foods where people are eating sugar added to food that they don't realize. Like, for example, when they have pizza, the pizza Actually, the pizza dough has sugar in it. A lot of a lot of foods that you don't think have sugar in it have hidden sugar. So yeah. I'm like, hey, you don't worry about the sugar in the jam. So <laughs> exactly. I mean, even the even the pizza sauce has sugar in it more more than likely. Yeah, and ketchup so, has sugar, and barbecue ketchup. sauce has sugar, and all these sauces we enjoy have sugar. You know, anything you eat that's been processed more than likely has sugar in it too. And you know, like that's. That's something that I, I have said for a long time, too. I, I try to watch sugar in my own diet, and I like to be able to control when I have, when I'm able to put sugar in. So, for example, you want to have some yogurt or granola or cereal in the morning, get the get low sugar or get no sugar yogurt, mm -hmm. and then add a little jam into it so you can control your sugar and have a healthy choice. 
We also use all organic sugar in our products. Oh, good to know. Good to know. So where, where do you get your fruit from that you use to make your, your products? Mm, the majority of the fruit that we use is based from an orchard over in Peonia, Colorado, called First Fruits Organic. They provide all of our peaches, our apples, our pears when we use them. They're a phenomenal resource. And then um, for some of our other flavors, we've reached out directly to different growers around the U.S. and and ship in. For example, our cranberries and our Sweetwater Cranberry. Um, We found uh, a cranberry grower that's a third-generation immigrant that came over to set up a cranberry farm. So we work with them directly. And does that mean that they're working with you're working with fresh fruit when it's available in the fall, but during the rest of the year you're using you're probably using what frozen frozen fruit that's been froze, right? Exactly, frozen or dried. Mm-hmm. Our our uh, cherry fig mostardas made with dried fruit. Okay. Yep. Um, what what are your your best selling? I've been able to try some of your product that the, your brand is Deliciousness, and that's a really well a good word for your product. It is delicious, and I just love the script on it. But what what are your your best selling items? Do you say? Well, the cherry fig mostarda that I just mentioned mm-hmm. is, has been one of our best sellers for a long time. It's a little bit different than the deliciousness line, and that it's more of a a paste, a cherry fig paste with loads of spices really amazing on a charcuterie board and then our whiskey peach my original og flavor that i created from the tree in my backyard that that recipe has remained a top seller for all of these years still one of the most popular and then right on its heels is a a newer flavor our pueblo chili peach which does not have whiskey in it but instead has roasted green chilies from Pueblo, Colorado, so I was pairing two organic growing regions of Colorado into one product, both Peonia and Pueblo. Pretty proud of that one. And um, one thing that we haven't talked about is um, my cocktail cherry yeah, line, look- and that's a, it's a fairly new new line for me, and that one's definitely growing in popularity. Yeah, tell us about those. So I tried those when I was at a food show with you recently, and they were just delicious. So tell us about those and how how they're made. Yeah, thank you. Um, they are made with a frozen cherry that we're bringing in from the Pacific Northwest. Um, we found that it was a little difficult for us to find a frozen or even a fresh, good quality sour cherry in Colorado. So growers out there listening to this, Plant me some sour cherry trees. Uh, oh, <laughs> what did you ask me? Oh, well, we're talking about your cocktail cherries and then how how they're made because you have a couple different oh, wow. varieties. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So there, it's a different process than our jams. Um, it's a longer, slower, smaller batch process than than the jams are. Um, so we we even have to. It's a two- or three-step process where we're creating the syrup differently from the cherries, and we pack the cherries and the sugar for a few days before we cook them. And It's a multi-step process that's pretty time-intensive, but they are phenomenal. We add some cardamom and some fresh vanilla, and we work with Law's Whiskey. So they are bourbon, they're based in a, a bourbon instead of a cherry liqueur. 
so they have a little bit different taste profile. But we have two flavors, the bourbon cocktail cherries and a chili bourbon cocktail cherry, which has three kinds of chili in it, so it's a little bit spicier. Yeah, I had both of them. They were both very good. They're they're very yeah. unique, very unique, and very very different than anything I'd ever had before. Um, so yeah, those those are great. And you can people if they want to try any of these products, they can go to your your website right, which is redcamper.com. Is that right? Yep, that's it. That's the one. And we are um, we won a good food award for our regular cocktail cherries about two years ago, and we're going up to Portland next week to see if we won for our chili cherry. So. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if there's, I don't think there's too many people that want to try to make uh, their own jams or jellies, but I could be wrong. And I just say that because, you know, I got a bunch of free strawberries. Uh, about a year ago, there was a whole truckload of strawberries from Driscoll's in California that got into Denver and was going to a retail store chain and they rejected the load because the top layers of the strawberries on the pallets froze because the reefer unit was too cold. So they dropped them off at my warehouse in Denver and said, get rid of these. And I actually gave them uh, to We Don't Waste. <laughs> they got rid of them through food banks but i took a bunch of them home and uh mara was just uh my wife christy actually did most of the work but we uh tried to make our own strawberry jam and it just we just couldn't get it to set up right so i don't know if we didn't have enough pectin in it or if we didn't have enough citrus in it so we actually had to pour it out the next day and do it all over again and it was a little better but it still didn't set up right so there's a little bit to know but what what sort of tips would you have um, for anyone that might want to try to make their own jams or jellies or marmalades or preserves? Yeah. Um, well, I will say that there's kind of a standard formula for fruit to pectin to sugar to citrus. And and you can generally find that information on, on websites. We use Pacific Pectin for our pectin, and they've got an incredible resource guide there. But... Um, sometimes things don't work quite right because of the fruit itself. Um, it depends on the ripeness of the fruit. If you if you use the exact same recipe and you use underripe fruit, and then the next time you use fruit that's a lot more ripe, it's going to come out completely different. Mm. So that is, that's why I mentioned earlier, like make make notes when you're when you're cooking and write everything down to detail so you know. Um, how things are going to, like, what you put into it so, that, so you can adjust it next time. Sometimes when I'm developing a recipe, it'll take me 10, 12 tries before I get to the point where I feel like where I want it to be. But it really it really does depend on on the sugar content of the fruit itself and then the sugar that you're adding and the citrus you're adding and the pectin you add. All three of those are a factor that work together. Can can people buy if they're looking to do like 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 they have a little garden in their back or their neighbor has a garden and their neighbor dumps a whole bunch of uh, uh, strawberries on their porch with some uh, uh, maybe some I don't know something else and they want to make some jam uh, can they just go to the store and buy the sugar and the pectin that they need and the and the citrus juice would you say or would they need to buy it online or what would you say Oh yeah you can buy all the everything you need at the store um, a lot of times even um, the grocery stores will have a canning aisle where you can get the jars that you need. And um, there's a couple different processes, too. 
um, that keep it food safe. So when you're cooking your jam, you want to get it up to a pretty high temperature to kill off any pathogens that are better in it. And that also, like it's just a standard recipe, say. You put your fruit in the pan, and then you get that up, fruit and sugar, get that up to about 140 degrees. Then you can add your pectin. You add your pectin in, and then you can add your other spices and get get your entire pot up. We, we take it all the way up to about 210, so it gets super hot, and you're killing anything off that may be contaminant. And then... We do a hot fill method, so we pour everything into a jar and then lit it and flip it upside down for at least a minute so that you're sterilizing the lid as well. And then that, that then flip it back, and that should, should um, create a good, safe product for you that you don't have to worry about things molding or you know, wisteria or anything like that. Um, there's another method called a water bath method. I find that to be a little fussier. That's more of a traditional canning method where you're, you place your product into your jar, you lit it, and then you put it inside a water, like a boiling water, and for a certain amount of time to, to sterilize and close, get the air out of that jar. Yeah, that method's the the method that I know that I've done with tomatoes for years with, you know, and uh, yeah. so it's, it's the method I learned from my grandmother, you know, but uh, but she wasn't making jam, so I didn't know about pectin. Now, is pectin what what does the pectin do? Is that what makes the jam thicker? Is that what it does? Yeah, sorry, I should have uh, explained that. Pectin is a binder; it creates um, ties between molecules in the sugar and the and the fruit. So it thickens it up. And then what is, do you know where pectin comes from? Is it naturally derived or what, what is pectin? Is it, is it synthetic? It or? is. It is. And actually that's, a pectin is naturally derived from, from, from citrus peel or from apple core. Um, there's a couple different ways that it can be made, which, which is another thing to, to, to factor in. Basically, you're adding an element that is already present in the fruit that you're cooking with. That's why the, the ripeness is such a, an important factor in knowing how much pectin to put in. Okay, good to know. Yeah, pectins and that. People don't have to worry about pectin being something nasty. It's it's already found in fruit anyway. It's a, it's a soluble yeah. fiber in fruit. So um, yep. good to know. Um, so what would you think? think is a good entry level if someone wants to try there's some i think some preserves that are really tricky but what would you say is a good fruit uh to to try one with if someone wants to give it a go start with peaches why not peaches That's where i started sure colorado <laughs> peaches too get those peaches in the That's fall right, right. Yeah. yeah and what better way to like hang on to the the most amazing fruit the state can produce for in a few years. Are there any fruits that you shouldn't blend together uh, that just don't work together, like peaches and strawberries or peaches and apples, or what would you say? Oh, that's, you know, I think that is purely taste, what your taste is. I'm a purist. I don't like to blend fruits together. Mm -hmm. None of our recipes are a blend of, of fruits. I like to taste what 
that fruit wants to display to me. I want to like I want to taste that fruit and enhance it or or add to it with spices or or spirits. So I I would say it's up to your own personal taste. Okay. And then I think most of us have, you know, um, at home, I would say everyone has, I would think, jam or some preserves or some jelly in their fridge or in their cupboard. But um, besides eating it on bread or toast, what, what other uh, things do people do with, with the products that you make? All kinds of things. You can make it into a salad dressing. You can glaze bacon or meat. You can thin it out a little more and pour it over your cake for dessert or ice cream. We mix cocktails with it. Oh, there's so many different things that you can do to do with this. Um, we have a recipe section on our website, actually, where we try to give people ideas on what to do with different flavors. Again, that was redcamper.com. Yeah, I think that's really good for people to know as a resource because I honestly don't think of of jams and preserves as a base for a recipe as often as I should. I mean, it would make a great barbecue sauce or a great marinade or something. I, I just don't, I just don't think about it. I, mean, I don't know why I should. But. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real simple way to, to make you look like a rock star chef. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, just take, take some of our hard work and, and add it to something simple that you're doing and you'll, you'll look really good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, and I think for most people, you know, this is going to be one of those things that they're probably not going to try it on their own because to me it's like making, I don't know, maybe I don't have a better example, but maybe like trying to make chocolate or years ago I tried to make peanut brittle and I ruined some really good pans trying to make peanut brittle oh. because, you know, there's the right temperature of the stove and the right temperature of the oh. syrup. And if you're not, I mean, there's, I just, I ruined, I, I ruined it. <laughs> yeah, candy is tough. I mean, sugar, sugar can be a challenging ingredient to work with because depending on the heat and other liquids it's, it's really going to be temperamental and it, and it can be dangerous too if it's flattering it'll burn you but it can be challenging but i will say all of that aside like don't be afraid to experiment why not and like you did with your strawberry jam okay it didn't turn out the first time but you put it back you open them all up put it back in the pan cook it a little bit longer and then you have something good Right. Well, I, I tend I, to give up too easy more. I think I'll I'll try something once and realize, no, that's never. I'm just going to buy Mara's Deliciousness brand from now on. So, hey, Mara, <laughs> we're at the end of our show already. Thanks so much for your time. And I just wanted to remind people they can go to redcamper.com. And your products make such an excellent gift for someone. And they're just not that expensive there. And they just they last a while. So it's not a one and done kind of consumable. So I would just th thanks for your time today. And I and I really appreciate you coming on and and I, and I wish you the best. So thank you. Uh, I really, really appreciate the time. And um, yeah, if anyone wants to hit me up with any questions, I'm happy to answer. You can always reach me from my website. Perfect. Great. Thanks a lot, Mara. Take care. All right. Thanks. Take care to you, too. 
Today's episode of Food Chat is brought to you by RanchFreshMeats.com. RanchFreshMeats.com has the best selection of beef, bison, wagyu, air-chilled chicken, turkey, and duroc pork, and more, all sourced from the family farms and ultra-clean USDA plants that they know personally. Take the mystery out of where your meat comes from and how the animals were cared for, and buy your family's meats at RanchFreshMeats.com. Hey, save 10% on your first order by using Food Chat at checkout. Orders over two. $200 include free shipping. RanchFreshMeats.com. Here's to the farmer that plants the fields in the spring. The turn from green to that harvest honey. Hold one up for the banker downtown. They got him on his feet with handshake of money. Here's to the farmer's wife that loves him every night. Raising a son. Raising a daughter, they gather around the table, send it up to the father. Somehow they get closer when times get harder. Here's to the farmer. The views and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect those of Crawford Broadcasting, the station, management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.